Welcome to the Welfare Culture Podcast, where we talk about all things Indigenous wellness. What's up, relatives? Welcome to episode two of the Welfare Culture Podcast. This is your co-host, Chelsea Luger, and we're so excited about this episode today. Uh, We're going to share with you all about our core wellness model, which is called the seven circles of wellness. We're coming to you from our home in Phoenix, Arizona today. Aloe is on my lap. We're hanging out in the office. And honestly, it's so good to be home. Thosh just made us an amazing home-cooked breakfast. And um, we were actually just on the road for a full six weeks. We started off here, of course, went up to Minnesota, North Dakota, where I'm from. We traveled all the way west to Oregon, did some trainings and some work there with the Native Wellness Institute, uh, went South did a pop-up urban workshop in LA with the indigenous community there that went really well. And here we are today, six weeks later. So it was a long journey, but totally fun, totally fulfilling. Um, just always feeling blessed and happy to work with the amazing people that we work with and to visit the communities that we see. Scoop Dosh. This is Dosh here, co-host of Welfare Culture Podcast. I'm very excited again for this second episode and we want to thank everyone who tuned in on the first episode we got a lot of good responses and a lot of people had shared it we really want to thank you all for tuning in we're very happy that you were able to get something out of it and this episode is going to be packed of even more information regarding the seven circles of wellness our wellness model Yeah, I just want to reiterate that I was totally overwhelmed and excited about the response to episode one. And um, it's so cool to hear that so many people were connecting with our content on a much deeper level than what we've been able to achieve through social media alone. Like we always say, these wellness conversations are so complex and so deep. And we really feel that we needed this podcast format in order to get to the level of dialogue that we want to achieve with our audience. So thanks so much to everybody for tuning in. And we promise you it's just going to get more and more interesting as we go. That's right. And this is something that Chelsea and I thought really hard about and prayed on it. And we thought about what are the components in our life today that contribute to a well life? What are the components that make up indigenous culture that allowed our people to thrive and be in good health? We really thought about that. And so this is based on information that we've learned, knowledge that we've learned from our communities and our elders, as well as, like Chelsea said, traveling around native country, learning from elders around and other people that are knowledge bearers that know information and knowledge about indigenous health and wellness. We also like to keep our ears to the ground about what's happening in the functional medicine community and that whole community of people that are doing ancestral health within dominant culture. There's a lot of great practices coming to surface there. There's a lot of great information that science is starting to uncover that it really just shows that indigenous people, our practices are are wellness-based. And so this is why we put this together. And this is something that we ourselves live by. And we are constantly looking for ways to improve our wellness by following seven circles of wellness, which is made up of real food, sleep, movement, sacred space, 
peacefulness, a connection to land, and our kinship community or clanship, your family. So those are seven areas that we have determined that play a vital role in how well we are as human beings. And indigenous cultural practices, if we look at our oral tradition and our teachings, we will find that our people had practices within each and every one of these areas. The relationship to food, how they respected the nighttime and respected sleep as a time for recovery and dream time, how our people were active and moving all day, every day. This model is a template. So this is something that you can utilize and you can start to insert your specific indigenous nations practices, foods, language, all that kind of stuff. You can apply that within these areas, the seven circles. And remember these areas are all interconnected. They're circular. Think about them as things that cannot be pulled apart. They're inextricable. And we as indigenous people understand that everything works in cycles, right? Everything is circular. Yeah, so these seven circles are our core tenets. A lot of wellness programming or wellness influencers have what they would call like core tenets or philosophies. And usually they're done in list form or in the form of pillars or something like that. But again, interconnectedness is the very foundation of the indigenous worldview and recognizing the interconnectedness of all things. So we encourage you to use this episode as your reference episode. Go back and continue to draw the connections and connect the dots between each of these seven circles. Wellness is all about living a life in balance. And it's also about being able to come back to that place of balance if you've fallen off of it. And so being mindful of each of these seven circles is going to be a really good way to keep your wellness journey organized and to think about all of the different areas in life that you can approach with an indigenized wellness perspective. So as we talk about each one separately, know that yes, they all have their own teachings and they all have their own foundation, but they really are all connected to one another. And in order to walk in balance, in order to live a good and healthy life, we have to pay attention to each one of these areas. The first circle of wellness is real food. Food is so much more than something that we just eat to survive or satisfy us. It's biological information that speaks to our body on a cellular level. And spiritually, it grounds us to Mother Earth. We believe that food is an entity to have a relationship with. And so we don't advocate for any kind of specific diet such as keto, paleo, vegan or carnivore because we believe every single person's metabolism, lipids, immune system, and gut health are different. And so we simply encourage people to do their own research and testing and to find out which kinds of nutrients that their bodies need in order to achieve and maintain holistic wellness. But if there's one thing that proponents of all those diets would agree upon, it is that we all should be eating real, minimally processed whole food. But food is more than just nutrient value. It's a spiritual thing. And oral tradition tells us that food was really at the center of our cultures. 
and that our ancestors had a very unique and sacred spiritual relationship to food. Even many of our creation stories tell us of how we came to have a connection with all the plants and the animals that we eat. Even to this day, we still have ceremonies that honor and celebrate annual harvests. We do long recitals of giving thanks to express this immense gratitude for the seeds, the plants, and the animals that all provide sustenance for us to exist. And if we look at all the different food groups around native country, we see that a lot of our ancestral foods were super dense with an array of nutrients. For instance, the three sisters that spanned across Turtle Island were high in fiber. They were mostly complex carbohydrates that were all low glycemic. And all the different colors that they came in were offered very unique phytonutrients. And we also know that the wild catch and the wild game meats that our ancestors ate were high in healthy fats and they were dense with quality proteins. And the organ meats were chock full of vital nutrients. But unfortunately, today, for a number of reasons, food inaccessibility is one of our biggest challenges in native country. And as a result, our health is suffering. Many of the foods that are eaten today are processed and are made of harmful substances. They're more like food-like substances. And a lot of them contain chemicals that are so new and understudied that even the food scientists who made them don't even know what they're going to be doing to our health in the future. But when we eat indigenous foods, it is a way for us to directly connect ourselves to the ancestors. These foods resonate at a higher spiritual frequency because they're created organically by Mother Earth. And this opens up our consciousness to a better understanding of what being human is all about. And I believe that that's really what indigenous way of life was all about. It's about our humanity. And when indigenous foods are unavailable or inaccessible, which they often are, we simply encourage people to learn to cook again, to eat mindfully and to appreciate what Mother Earth has provided for us. And of course, to always choose real food and keep indigenous values in mind while you're eating, such as environmentalism. And remember that the movement to reclaim our relationship to indigenous foods, it's economical, it's spiritual, it's environmental, it's social and political. It plays a huge role in how well our communities will evolve in the future. So throughout the entire podcast, we're going to be exploring the different components to food and its role in our total health, as well as its relationship to our Mother Earth. The second circle of wellness is movement. Movement is medicine. When we move our bodies, we heal from the inside out. We practice preventative health care. We sharpen our minds and we strengthen ourselves. It is so much more than a quest to have your body looking a certain way. We're a judgment-free zone, so we're not going to say that there's something wrong with wanting to get in shape, but just keep in mind that you're limiting yourself if this is your only purpose for moving. We encourage taking your practice deeper and learning about all of the ways that your body, mind, and spirit can function more optimally when you move and sweat every day. You'll notice that we tend to utilize the term movement rather than fitness or exercise, and that's because movement is a more complete concept. Fitness itself is really only a small part of movement. We don't necessarily advocate for a specific type of exercise. We want you to feel empowered to move in a way that works for you. This might be anything from breathing, stretching, walking, weightlifting, sports, athletics, running, biking, hiking, swimming, the list goes on. 
You can even find ways to incorporate conscious movement into your day-to-day tasks like cleaning your house, commuting to and from work, or even chasing after your kids. Indigenous people have always connected movement with higher purpose, and we believe in maintaining that sense of commitment not only in ceremony, but in everyday movement practices. Think about it. Nearly every Indigenous ceremony or social gathering includes some type of dance, run, or sport. Our ancestors always knew that physical exertion is a way to focus the mind and to sacrifice your comfort for the greater good. We should move not only for ourselves and our own well-being, but for those who are disabled, elderly, injured, or cannot move. Never take your body for granted. And that's what movement is all about. The third circle of wellness is sleep. Sleep plays another very important role in our total health and wellness, and it's something that you don't hear too many health professionals talk about, though in the functional medicine field, it's starting to gain some traction. But for our ancestors, the nighttime was a very respected time. And that's why when the sun went down, the people went in their homes and began to wind down for the night. Many tribes have teachings about staying out of the dark. And I believe that was for a number of reasons. One of them being that they understood how important it was to be in a state of recovery, especially after a hard day's work. And they knew that the next day was going to be filled with even more tasks that their survival depended upon. So our people were in tune with the sun and moon cycles and actually followed them. When the sun came up, so did the people. And when the sun went down, the people went in their homes to sleep. And this was very crucial for the inner circadian rhythm. And for a lot of us, sleep is an opportunity for the dream time to occur. And many people receive knowledge and information through the dream world and even have communications with the ancestors or relatives who have already passed. The science is starting to uncover a lot of interesting things about sleep. Important functions that happen are things like memory consolidation, which is really important for our learning, no matter what age we are. And in regards to indigenous culture and language preservation, memory is everything. Also, what happens when we sleep is fat burning and muscle building. And there are even studies that showed athletes were able to increase their vertical jump after increasing their quality of sleep. Also, our immune system does a lot of work. Our hormones become regulated during sleep time. And another important one is that the good quality of sleep increases our ability to be able to deal with stress. And this is crucial for anyone who is on this journey of healing. And unfortunately, today, many people pride themselves on being able to run on just a few hours of sleep. Yet they wonder why they're having such a hard time with their health. And this this mindset is a huge mismatch with our genes. And if we really want to change the trajectory of poor health epidemic, we really need to start teaching our young people about the importance of sleep and start to change our lifestyle habits accordingly. This means when the sun sets, we should start to limit our usage to blue light emitting devices like TVs, iPads, iPhones, video games, because that blue light from these devices inhibit melatonin secretion, the hormone that initiates our sleep and waking cycles. So again, sleep is a very important determinant of personal health and wellness. And so we're going to share a lot of useful techniques about how to increase the quality of sleep as we go on with our podcast. The fourth circle of wellness is peacefulness. This world can be such a stressful place, but your life doesn't have to be full of anxiety. Finding peace and actively setting aside time to decompress and quiet the mind is a core tenet of wellness that anybody can achieve. 
Meditation is a practice that comes from Eastern medicine and culture that most people are at least a little bit familiar with today. Remember that in Native American societies, we traditionally valued concepts like setting aside time for silence and introspection, vision quests, dream seeking, active listening, and other means of finding strength through silence. These practices are still carried on by some, but have gone to the wayside for many. Because our world is such a noisy place where people are always talking, TVs are always on, cars are moving, and phones are always in our faces, it is especially important that we reconnect with a peacefulness practice to incorporate into our daily lives. Finding peace will impact not only your mental health, but your physical health as well. Stress manifests itself physically in so many ways, whether it be inflammation or weight gain, lack of sleep, or even serious ailments like heart disease. And so we need to find a way to prevent it. In future episodes, we'll explain a lot more about why and how to find peace in your life. The fifth circle of wellness is a connection to the land. Creating and maintaining a strong connection to the land is important for individuals, for families, for communities, because the land is the original provider of all things, food, sacred spaces, oxygen, water, and so much more. That is why we call her the Mother Earth, and she's been providing for us since the beginning of creation. And it is the very land that we evolved on that has helped shape our cultures. And so a connection to the land was something that was inherent within indigenous cultures. We evolved on the land and out of doors. We were in tune with the seasons. This connection was crucial for our ancestors' survival because they had to follow the cues from sunrise to sunset points. They took note of moon phases and how the star constellations changed throughout the seasons because their survival was dependent on being in tune with all of these patterns in our world in order to plant, to harvest, and to be able to hunt at the right times. But today, unfortunately, many people are spending most of their time indoors and in front of computers and disconnected from the land and everything happening out there. We now follow the rigid Gregorian calendar instead of the earth and the, and the celestial events. And so this collective disconnection from the earth and, and failing to recognize her as a living being is one of the main factors of the world's environmental issues. And so reconnecting and strengthening a tie to the land is really the foundation of our collective wellness. The health of the land reflects the health of the people. And so we have to start cultivating and harvesting the land again on small scales as families and break our dependence on industrial agriculture. And for all of you living out there in the big cities, even just taking once or twice a week to get out on the land for a hike is a great way to reconnect again and gain access to a higher sense of spiritual grounding. Breathing in the fresh air provided by the trees is also a great way to reduce stress and learning about the indigenous plants and medicines and even restoring a habitat for them to thrive is a great way to be able to help to heal the land that which has also suffered from colonialism. And so strengthening this important connection will help our children to understand also the importance of protecting our mother earth for our future generations. And so this will be another component to our podcast. We'll be inviting different people out there who work in environmentalism and activism, land restoration, regenerative agriculture. And we're going to be talking to a lot of healers who also do the work out there on the land. The sixth circle of wellness is sacred space. When we say sacred, we're not talking about religion. Defining something as sacred is simply our way of expressing that it is important 
revered, and worthy of higher respect. And when we say space, we're talking about your home, office, and the physical space around you. But we're also talking about your energy, your environment, and the people who you interact with. With all that in mind, remember that keeping your space sacred is a huge part of the wellness journey that many of us forget to address. In order to keep your space sacred, you'll have to look at a number of things, the cleanliness and organization of your home, the relationships in your life and whether or not they're healthy, the products and cosmetics you use in your personal care and hygiene routine, the technology and media you're using on a daily basis, and even the quality of our biggest space of all, the air in our environment. You'll find that once you start prioritizing your well-being by keeping your space sacred, all other aspects of the wellness journey will continue to fall into place. And the seventh circle of wellness is clanship and community. Another reason why we as indigenous people thrived in harsh climates and survived colonialism is because we stayed connected to one another and we worked in families, clans, bands, and nations. Many indigenous people today still follow that clan system because it ensures a place in the community and it gives everyone their different roles in the community. It keeps order between the different families in the community. Some communities still do this simply by keeping track of each other's family name in order to identify each other's relations. Being a part of some kind of community is also a big part of our personal wellness. Even if it's not your ancestral community, we all have the power to create our network of people that will support us during our growth and healing journey. And when we create or maintain a strong connection to family and community, we're holding each other up in a spiritual sense. This provides a sense of belonging. It fosters self-confidence in both adults and children, and even provides a sense of security. So these are all very important factors in creating holistic wellness and native self-actualization. So remember that wellness extends beyond just us. It branches out and it touches everyone we're connected to in our family and our community. So we're going to continue to explore the different teachings associated with clanship, community, family, and we're going to be interviewing different wellness practitioners who are actually doing work in this area of community healing. So remember that a lot of the information and explanation that we just gave of these seven circles is the theoretical and philosophical foundation behind each circle. But there is practical application. There are steps that you can take and follow to improve your levels of wellness in all of these different areas. And those are the things that we're going to be getting into in future episodes as we further explore each circle. So we hope that this episode was really helpful and we hope that it got your wheels turning and you were thinking about the different things in your life, the areas that you can make changes in, or maybe you were already thinking about how to improve some of these changes that you've already started. Maybe you've already started monitoring your sleep better and hopefully the information we shared here inspired you to continue to do that. Maybe you've already been on the journey of changing the way you eat, changing your relationship to food, and hopefully something that we shared in this episode will inspire you and assist you to stay on that journey even more. 
So thank you for tuning in to the second episode of the Welfare Culture Podcast. The next episodes, we're going to be telling a little bit more about our personal wellness stories. And Chelsea and I are going to share more in depth and be a little bit more intimate about how we came into being passionate about health and wellness. We're going to share about some of the trials and tribulations that each of us had faced in our personal wellness journey leading up to where we are now. So make sure you stay tuned and check out those as well. So thanks again for listening. And by now you're probably familiar with how to follow us on social media, but if not, be sure to check out our Instagram page at well4culture, W-E-L-L-F-O-R, culture. And you can also follow me, chelsea.moves or thosh, thosh thosh.collins. We use our social media channels on a daily basis to share a lot more about indigenous wellness. So you can always reach out to us there. And we would love for you to ask us questions or send us ideas for topics that you're dying to hear about. Feel free to DM us at Welfare Culture on Instagram or to message us through Welfare Culture on Facebook or shoot us an email, info at welfareculture.com and we would be happy to address some of your burning wellness questions. <laughs>